Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show. I'm Kyle Coster. My guest today is Stephen Douglas, my partner in crime at the Big Lead. We're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs, which have kind of moved in the direction that I guess we knew it was going to move with the Brooklyn Nets assembling this super team of talent. But the surprising part of it, at least to me, has been that they've done it without James Harden in the first two games against the Milwaukee Bucks. Harden goes down with an injury early in game one. And what we've learned through the NBA through its history is maybe this is time for concern. I mean, we know what type of player is. We know the offense largely runs through him, even with two other superstars on the team. The Nets respond with a convincing game one victory. And then last night they completely blow the doors off this Bucks team. And it's a Bucks team that's drastically improved from last year. The most intriguing stat throughout the playoffs to me is the Nets. They're shooting over 50% from the field, over 40% from the three-point line, and over 90% from the line. It's unbelievable. Steven, is there any hope for anybody else? Not as long as two of the three stars are healthy. That is the, that's, that's the key, obviously. Um, when Kyrie and KD alone are, any two of them alone are enough to win any single game and any series. And when you have the convenience of having that third guy, so if, when Harden comes back, if Kyrie walks away for a few days or Kevin Durant tweaks something, then they are still in every single game. And as long as there are two guys, they can win any game. And if any of the supporting cast, which has been pretty good and is always made better by playing with superstars, if Joe Harris or Blake Griffin or any of the other guys play really well, then something like last night happens where it's just a blowout. And it seems like there's no hope. Well, the question mark for this team was always the defensive end of the floor. Holding Milwaukee to 86 points is perhaps the most terrifying thing that they did. The offensive numbers throughout the league this year exploded. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. The short layoff, indifference, the way that the game has changed with everybody being able to shoot threes at an incredibly high percentage clip and offenses becoming more efficient. Even with that, just to hammer the point home, you're looking at a team that has three viable weapons in crunch time. One of the big complaints and the concerns about this squad was there's only one basketball. We've heard that so many times in a bizarre way. 
taking one of the big three out of the equation eliminates a third of that friction come crunch time. So I'm, I'm wondering, we say it so many times in sports and a lot of times it seems hokey and, and not based in reality, but we honestly could be looking at addition by subtraction here and having nothing to do with the type of player Harden is. It's almost like this team has learned to operate with one or two of its big three in the lineup. And it takes some of the question uh, in crunch time away about who's going to get the basketball. So I wonder if this is just a team of destiny uh, that is able to win with three of them healthy, two of them healthy, uh, probably not one. Yeah, I, I really don't think that it is addition by subtraction. I, I think that these are three guys who are just really high level and who do a pretty good, good job sharing the ball despite how much they score. Like they all have uh, a lot of experience playing with other great players and sharing a workload like Kyrie with LeBron and Kevin Love, uh, KD back in Oklahoma City and then in Golden State. And I mean, even Harden has he he started as a third option, you know, coming off the bench for the Thunder. And then when he became a star in Houston, um, he ended up having to work working with like uh Chris Paul, and he didn't have any problems there. I mean, they came close to beating the uh, Warriors that year until CP3 got hurt. I think they all just, they're really just trying to win, and they don't really care which guy is going to have the big stat line because even when one of them has a smaller stat line, it's still pretty impressive. Like James Harden has no problem throwing out like 20 assists in a game and scoring like 10 points. I wonder, there's so many people who hate this team because it seems joyless, it seems mechanical, um, it seems like front running, but I wonder if they've kind of cracked the code. The concept of these unbeatable teams is younger than, I mean, it's a decade old. It starts with LeBron going to Miami. We're learning more and more about how to play in this system it does not have a hundred percent success rate. Look at the Toronto Raptors winning in 2019. It doesn't assure you. It doesn't guarantee you're going to be the finals champion. I mean, it certainly gives you a leg up, but I wonder if they've unlocked something when it comes to just brutal efficiency and we're the bad guy. I know that Kyrie said he's uniting everybody, but he must know that that you, that unity is in disliking this team. I know I'm a fan of this team. I don't really know how you feel about them. I think that you kind of respect the way they've done it, but maybe the answer, it was just leaning into being the death star and trying to not pretend that it was about anything else than this one singular goal at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've probably rooted against all these guys. I definitely rooted against Kyrie when he was with Boston, but I mean, he's just so talented and fun to watch that I've never really disliked him. Um, KD, KD and Harden are the same thing. They're just so good. They're, they're really enjoyable to see operate on a basketball court. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not rooting for Brooklyn or anything, but I'm also not really rooting against them, I guess. They're, they're a great team. So I'll watch them. I'm, you know, somebody has to win. So it's probably going to be the most talented team. And, you know, as if I, I just hope that there are some better games. I, I hope I don't want to see them just march to the 
to the finals. You know, I, I, I hate the games that are, you know, 40 points like, like last night. That's, that's not fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. And, and I mean, we can talk about the Bucks side of this. Obviously this team has major deficiencies. Giannis is a transcendent player. I'm not so sure you can win a championship with him now. I kind of was reluctant to say that out loud for a while, but I'm kind of left to conclude. I don't really know what a championship level team would look like if he's the guy you need to create your own, his own offense late in the game when he's a free throw liability, he is not a great three point shooter. I'm not so sure he can be the guy on a championship team. The, the acquisition of holiday changed so much in the regular season. We talked about, this looks like a completely different team. They murdered the heat avenging a loss from last year, where it looked like the two teams were just dove going in completely different directions. Now they look like a poorly conceived roster. The coach bud can't coach camp is beating its chest uh, and, and having a field day. He likely has two more games as head honcho of this club. Part of this is Milwaukee struggling, but I'm not so sure there's anybody in that Eastern conference who would put up a better fight right now. You look at the other side, do we really expect the Hawks if they're able to pull the upset against Philadelphia to compete against this Brooklyn team? No. Do we expect Philadelphia barring some sort of otherworldly combination of performance between Embiid and, and Simmons to compete with this Nets team? I just don't see it. Well, yeah. I mean, if Milwaukee had acquired somebody instead of Drew Holiday, if they had gotten like Chris Paul or James Harden, I you'd be you'd be looking at them completely differently. Maybe they'd be taking on Kyrie and KD right now, but maybe Harden would still be injured. So then you're back in the same spot. And even if they had gotten like Chris Paul, he had he had a little injury flare up during the uh, first round against the Lakers. So maybe that would have thrown off the uh, Heat series. You know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, John, Giannis just needs – he needs another guy like everybody does, you know. Uh, LeBron fell short this year because he lost Anthony Davis. If Kyrie or KD go out, then the other guy is really going to be have his back against the wall trying to drag this team to until James Harden can come back. The biggest weapon for – the Nets in the playoffs has been Kevin Durant who missed an extended period of time this season who got pushed almost to the background of a lot of basketball conversations. And I will throw Kawhi Leonard into the mix too, as kind of the Western conference idea of this. I was looking at Durant and I was looking at Leonard. They are both, two-time champions. They both have two NBA Finals MVPs under their belts. And the number one adjective that comes to mind in watching both of them is efficiency. So I'm curious if you think that these two superstars who are undoubtedly top 30 players who have ever played the game. I know that the conversation around Kawhi is a little bit more nuanced, but I think that there's a really good chance that we're going to see one of them win their third finals MVP at the end of all of this. 
And I wonder how is it possible that we're undercovering both of these fantastic athletes? There's just crushing roboticism in the way that they both play. They both dominate and do things kind of unspectacularly or just make it seem so normal in the way that they do it. Like, I mean, the highlight of the game last night was Blake Griffin dunking on Giannis. And both of those guys can do the same thing against Giannis, but it's just not, there's just like this energy and excitement when Blake does it. And not just because we thought he was dead two months ago. Um, I don't know. People root against them because we've seen it before. You know, they want something new. That's why a lot of people root against LeBron. There are a lot of really good stories left in the playoffs. And if it's probably going to be one of those two guys that wins the NBA finals. So, you know, ho-hum, even though it's with new teams. You know, it's like we've seen this before. But what is that? What, okay, I'm going to ask you like a broader question about society and, and media. <laughs> So get ready to put on your Klosterman hat here. But what do you think that that says about us that we've become a nerd to repeated greatness that we can't, you know, get it up for these players and, and we're not discussing them to the level. I mean, I, I look back, like think of how revered in the moment we're, we're the same age. Think of how revered in the moment Stockton and Malone were right. They never won anything. And it seems like the conversation has shifted in, to this rings discourse where the only thing that matters is rings. And yet players who win rings almost get pushed to the side where I feel like the conversation around Stockton Malone was far more conciliatory and and glowing than it is around Kawhi. So I wonder, I think that you make a really interesting point about us seeing it before. I wonder if our attention spans have gotten so short that we don't want to ever see a repeat of anything. Like you look at it in streaming, you look at all those options. I know that we're probably of an age where we go back and we watch movies and TV shows that we've already seen. I wonder if the younger generation is going to do that uh, because there are so many limitless options and why would you need to go back and see something that you've already seen when you have 9 million other options? So I, what, do you take, what do you take away from kind of like that thought bubble that I have um, that the conversation, at least the way that we process sports has changed a little bit. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard are both on second tier teams in their own city. Um, there's just not as much excitement there. I don't think even if somebody wants to say that, you know, the Clippers now run Los Angeles, New York is a Knicks town. What does it say about society? Wow, what a, what an incredible question! All right, well, I, don't have, I, I don't have the answers for you. I, I stumped you, but I mean, I I just I I really think that it's interesting to take a step back and think about this. Kawhi started his playing career with Tim Duncan, and you can make the argument that he's become his generation's Tim Duncan, right? A, an unbelievable winner, a game that would be at home kind of in a, in a YMCA league. Like he embraces the mid range. He loves playing defense. He is, his value to a team 
is far greater than a, a four minute stretch of watching gameplay would, would really suggest. I just think it's so incredible that he became Duncan and then Durant who entered the league as this unicorn that we'd never seen seven feet tall with incredible handles, three point shooter, able to get his, his own shot has become the less shiny toy in a league peppered with superstars like younger and more exciting, like Luka Doncic, even Zion Williamson was getting more press than Kevin Durant this year. And I know that he was out. It's just, we're creating new exciting models at a far greater clip than we ever have. And and maybe some of it goes back to, like you said, it is a new story. Like, yes, Julius Randle was incredible for the Knicks. If the Knicks had been good last year and maybe been a six or seven seed in the playoffs and Randle did what he did this year, we would have heard half the discussion. It is the newest surprise thing on the block that seems to get the most attention. Uh, and the reward structure is there because at this point, what is the story we could even tell about Kevin Durant that would excite the masses? There's not anything super sexy about an efficient guy who's figured out the mid range uh, and, and is just operating at, at a high level without the so-called highlight real plays. Well, we know with Kawhi that he just doesn't, he's just kind of boring, you know, even like when he had his big thing with the Spurs that led to the trade, like we didn't really know anything about it. We just know he wanted to leave. We didn't, there was, we didn't know why he was unhappy. You know, he was winning. They wanted to pay him. He had been there and he's just like, I need to leave. And he's just kind of boring. And Kevin Durant just, maybe he's punished because he's got, he's in LeBron's era and, then the other next biggest star in the league is probably Steph Curry. And he just doesn't, he doesn't seem to have a fan base as rabid as like, he doesn't inspire it the way that like Allen Iverson or Kobe Bryant or LeBron did. I mean, but he's awesome. And he's his own biggest defender online (laughs) that the Kevin Durant hive is Kevin Durant. I don't know. He, I mean, he's great. What more can we say? It's just, you know, somebody has to take a side and just nobody really wants to take their side, no matter how great they are. Well, it's great that you mentioned that because I actually do have some breaking news. Uh, Kevin Durant tweeted a few minutes ago. He (laughs) says, man's will do anything to advance their careers in this media shit, wanting to be accepted by an industry that will dispose of you whenever they please. Keep Keep me out all that corny ass talk about who's better in legacy and all that dumbass shit. I don't even talk like that. Now, to me, this is who Kevin Durant has become. And this is why I love him. I don't think I was as big of a fan of his when he was younger. I didn't like the Warriors move. I was at a time in my life where I thought that that was cheating or skipping steps or whatever. I thought you had to do it the right way. He is as good online as he is on the court. And I wonder if it kind of overshadows it. Nobody has figured out how to be online in this generation more than Durant, because he's completely honest. Like that is so great that he says that how refreshing is it to hear that 
he doesn't want to even be involved in the conversations. Like not the one we're having about like, what does it say that Kevin Durant is, is not the NBA's biggest star when he might be the most productive player. It's the question of, okay, well, what does that mean for his legacy? If he gets his third one, like, I love that. He just honestly tends to give off the feeling. And I would say it's, it's probably true behind the scenes too, that I just don't think he gives a shit. Like he cares deeply what people say, but I think that he's adjusted enough to, a uh, to the world. And I think that that's part of the, the net success too. Like Kyrie, every, the breadcrumbs have been there his whole career that he's kind of his own person. But I think like when you think that when you compartmentalize basketball to be just a game, which they have number one, it pisses people off because it means more to diehard fans and, and, and people who comment on it a lot of times on the athlete, that's a sticking point, but it really puts them in the right mental space. So I, for all these reasons, I'm loving the Nets show and I wouldn't mind seeing it continue for a few more years because it is an underrated soap opera, even if it's um, moving in ways uh, that are purely 21st century. That's just incredible timing. <laughs> for for that tweet um yeah i mean he's just he he just wants to play basketball and win you know and get online i mean he said it a million times he just wants to get online and this is twitter and you know like i go 100 on twitter i keep it real <laughs> so you know he just wants to play and he doesn't want to he's not out there talking about other people or like worried about at least not publicly, his place in the history of basketball. I mean, he just, well, he he lets everything, his play talk for itself while he also talks about how he doesn't want to talk about it. You know, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing for a kid who grew up in online and he has become one of the best players ever. And he just has no interest, seems to have no interest in being part of that conversation actively. Yeah, I guess the last thing I would say about all this is I think that this year will be a clear delineation in how the media NBA ecosystem worked before the pandemic and how it worked after it. I think the bubble forced access. The people I've talked to who were reporting in the bubble to a, to a person said that, you know, you were seeing these players more. You felt like you were kind of out on an Island with them. There was more of a camaraderie because we were in this together. Things were a lot less certain as, as a world last year. Now, as we've kind of seemed to like, be turning the corner toward towards some normalcy. I think it's opening up to a world where you've seen, I, I think that when these hot takers on the debate shows try to step on these athletes in order to like make their voice, the story and their take the story, I think it's becoming increasingly desperate. And I think that the public sees that. And I think that the players also understand that the dynamics are shifting a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in the last about year and a half almost now, we've we've seen and experienced a lot. We've done a lot of things different ways. We've had to experiment with how everything is done. And with media, you know, when they went into the bubble, 
I mean, they still have access to everyone because of the magic of the internet. But those people that were in there with them, you know, it's like, you know, they were in it together. They went through, they made those sacrifices, um, spent time away from their family together. And then the other people, maybe they feel even more that, you know, they weren't with them. You know, they were, they were home. They were with their families. They were just talking about them. So maybe it's the access is greater, but maybe it's drawn a, a bigger wedge between uh, certain players who had to go through that than from all the people that they have to listen to every day. Let's pause for a quick break. So Sunday night we had, I guess you would call it an official boxing match between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather Jr. Um, tough to find someone to root for there, but they did it anyway. Um, you wrote an interesting piece that actually, I don't know if this was your intended purpose, and I'm sorry uh, if, if, if it wasn't, but it kind of made me respect both of these people for what they were able to do um, a little bit more. You, you kind of touched on things about Floyd Mayweather is an incredible businessman. He's made incredible business decisions based on who he's fought and he's reinvented himself to this new wave of kind of like gawker celebrity culture. He's seen the success the Paul brothers have had pumping up washed up fighters. He's like, look, I'm not washed up, but I have a very specific style that's going to ensure that I can be washed up because I have the best person ever at not taking a square punch, right? So I think that I walked away more impressed with this event by these two boxers understanding that everything is content now and figuring out a way to, this will be the model of the future because anecdotally, I've heard that people have tuned in that weren't boxing fans. They want to see the show. So do you think that this number one is, the the strongest veer into boxing as professional wrestling and number two what type of talent would is it going to take uh to be the next paul brother boxing as professional wrestling is probably a good way to put it you know well the act the the leading up to it is the professional wrestling and then what makes it different is the the slight chance of something off script happening the slight chance that floyd mayweather or logan paul i mean somehow catches the other one i mean much more likely uh floyd but i mean you know logan paul goes out there and he's crazy and starts if he started winging punches you know stranger things have happened it was never going to happen and it didn't happen but yeah, I mean, just the way they set it up there, everybody's a brand, everything is content, uh, your content, your brand, you're a brand. When I started writing that post, I was just writing about how, uh, it was, you know, it was so good. This is exactly what everybody wanted, you know, fight of the century. And then as I was writing, I started thinking about it more and it just kind of became clear to me that you know, these guys are good at what they do as much as I dislike it, you know, in a, in a very different way. It's like, 
Darren Ravel. He drives he drives you nuts with the sports business stuff, but it's like he became that guy and he's great at it. And they just do it in a more carny way. You know, the Paul brothers, at least. I mean, and Floyd is like, he's kind of, I don't know if he's exactly like Snoop Dogg in just the way he's like kind of reinventing himself for a younger generation. I don't know if we'll ever have Floyd Mayweather selling ehotel.com with Martha Stewart, but just how we kind of forget about the bad stuff. And he's just a, he's a guy who likes to go out and box celebrities and somehow I don't understand how they can charge that much money, $50 and how so many people are willing to pay this. But that's the Logan Paul part where he just has this army of young people who either have combined their money or just get it from their parents. And they just swipe their credit cards and or hit buy on pay-per-view and it just beams into their house. And they're like, like, I mean, Bill Simmons kid was talking about, he's like, this is all I wanted, you know, because I like Floyd Mayweather, even though Floyd Mayweather has been retired for like six, five years now, basically, except for the McGregor fight. That's all people know about, about Mayweather, the younger generation. They're like, well, he fought Conor McGregor, which was also like, I mean, that's like the biggest boxing match of the last, I mean, since Mayweather Pacquiao. And they were charging, what, like 90 bucks a pop for that? And Logan Paul just has this group of people who want to consume everything he does because they've been consuming everything he's done for the last half decade. So you combine that with Mayweather, which gives it a, just a touch of legitimacy. And then his brother's going to do the same thing with uh, Tyrone Woodley. in I think that's in a few weeks, you know, where he's like, he's a real still active fighter. He's not the biggest name, but he's a real fighter. He's a UFC champion, I believe. So you just keep, when you put more content together, when you mix sports and pop culture, then good things happen. Well, you're exactly right about, that last element because it's what every outlet it's what every sporting organization is doing right now i mean it's uh you know we we laugh about it and we you know we all have it on a throw pillow about talking about making the zeitgeist come alive through sports but that's how you capture an audience and if you can add your own strong personality and brand that people either hate or love then you're doing the work and you're going to have success. I have come a little bit around on not just boxing, but kind of what has happened in the UFC. I think that I suffered from a fundamental misunderstanding about what was going on there. To me, it was, this is a pure sporting event. This is the best talent in the world going at it. Then I realized that's not why I'm watching. I'm watching because number one, the unpredictability. That's the number one thing these sports have going for it. Very rarely, everything is being pushed to an on-demand world. Live sports remain the one uh, Wild West, the frontier where anything can happen and nothing more than a fighting sport where it just takes one punch, one kick, whatever, one submission hold. You're watching to see soap opera play out. You're, you're watching to see the extension of the narrative. And 
I think that boxing looked at what UFC has done, which is building on narratives, building these rivalries, getting people to tune in for the name. You don't want to be missing out. People bought that fight because they didn't want to be left out of the conversation. They wanted to be there. They wanted, they didn't want to find out about what was happening through memes or tweets or anything like that. And you see that when there's a big fight in UFC on, on Saturday night. So I think that I fundamentally misunderstood the selling point of all this stuff. And to be quite frank, I haven't tuned into boxing regularly in my life. When I did, it was only if there was a the Tyson Holyfield fight, if my dad's buddies got it or whatever. And yes, those guys were the best, but I was tuning in to watch Tyson because, oh my God, what's Tyson going to do tonight? You know, like he was a caged tiger and it manifested in unbelievably high highs and unbelievably low lows. And I think that's kind of what you get with these Paul brothers and the next group of people who will come behind it. Because I think for so long, the fighting sports have tried to teach elite athletes to come to become popular celebrities. Maybe it's easier to teach the popular celebrities to become passable boxers or fighters. And if that's the way that it is, I don't know how mad I can be at an organization for highlighting that efficiency in the model. I don't get mad at basketball teams when they figured out three point shooters are more valuable to what they want to do. I don't get mad at major league baseball teams when they decide we want to shift and we're going to get guys who throw a hundred and then the game is boring because the point of the thing is to win. The point of the thing for these organizations and the networks is to make money. So I don't know reasonably how mad I can get at them for making a quote unquote mockery of the entire system when this is their bottom line that they're serving. I don't know how realistic my complaint is that because I would not tune in to watch. I'm not tuning in to watch Friday night fights featuring two guys that I've never heard of before. Yeah. I mean, that's always been the big thing with the UFC is just trying to make these stars with the UFC. It's always been, you have your, your hardcores. And the guys who will tune in every week and they will watch the fights and they think that, and they lo love fights. But then what you're after is the casuals because that's where the money is. The hardcores, they pay all the bills, but the casuals put Dana White in a second mansion. So you have to identify the stars and the people with personalities and sometimes and you have to make them so big and push them so hard you know like that's how Kimbo Slice I mean he's the greatest example ever of this he was just a guy on YouTube he was the original YouTube fighter and they put him on CBS and then he won an ugly fight and then I don't even I don't even remember how he did professionally before they finally put him in the ultimate fighter house and Dana White had said probably said that that would never happen that he would never be in the UFC but there's just too much money there when you have recognizable people that's why people have tried celebrity boxing in the past because you know you've heard of Tanya Harding she's another crazy person and you just want to get her on TV and see if people will tune in because you just want those extra people that aren't necessarily interested in the sport like when uh, ESPN has been doing the theme nights with basketball and baseball it's you have your 
fans and then you have the people that wouldn't be there. And if you get 10,000 people across America to tune in, you know, maybe a few of them are going to tune, keep tuning into ESPN. Maybe a few of them are going to go to a baseball game. It's all about just, it's branding and just growing that content and that brand as quickly as possible while you can, because like with Ronda Rousey, you know, she was the biggest thing in sports five years ago and now she's gone. You know, she lost and it didn't have to be that way because like Conor McGregor lost a few times, but if he was playing, if he was fighting on Saturday night, it would be the biggest pay-per-view of the year probably for the UFC. So Ronda Rousey walked away, which is fine, you know, for her. But the UFC lost a huge star. Last thing on this, you mentioned the theme broadcast that ESPN is doing. And, and I, you know, this is a slightly off topic, but I, I kind of wanted to, to get it on the record. I think that you and I have been historically, um, you know, reserved snark for product integration, cross promotion, stuff like that, purely capitalistic means. And I, I don't know exactly how you feel like deep down about all of this stuff, but I kind of had a bit of an enlightenment in, in recent weeks and thinking about like, how upset can I really be that ESPN is leveraging that channel to drive subscribers to Disney plus, like how upset can I really be that Disney is trying to push ESPN? Like that's stuff that every single company does, right? I mean, look at what we do. It would be great if there weren't ads on our pages. There has been times where it's like this ad is intrusive, but guess what? That's our business model. The other option is it goes behind a paywall. So you kind of pick your poison and you have to operate your complaints in the real world. Does it mean you have to like them? No. Can you point out when it the supposedly native stuff rings really clunky and hokey and, and silly? I think that that's fine. I think most of the time that comes from a place of jocularity with us than really pretending that there's any other way to go about it. So I was just kind of curious, like what your public comments on stuff like that are, versus like what you know deep down in your soul is is probably um a necessity i, I was just curious how that question strikes you well I, I mean i think back to if i i like baseball as a kid if there had been a teenage mutant ninja turtles broadcast and on espn and my parents didn't have cable when i was a kid I would have made a point like I want to go to my grandparents' house. I want to watch this game because I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So it's it's not for adult me really, but I mean, who knows if they did a uh, Seinfeld reunion uh, during the Olympics? You're damn sure I'd be turning into that event. It's necessary, you know. We all have to pay the bills, uh, so you know plaster ads all over my stuff, please just keep giving me money. Sometimes it's silly and sports are silly. A lot of the times it's supposed to be fun, you know, when you're not policing unwritten rules. So I'm okay with it. And I'm okay with, you know, making fun of it and calling it out for being ridiculous at times, even if I'm not the uh, intended audience.
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good place to land. Is it's going to happen, but there's no reason uh, the execution can't be critiqued, and and I think that that's I think that that's fair, and I think that's only something that we're going to see growing in the future. Yeah. All right, Stephen, it's been a good conversation, or maybe it hasn't, uh, but uh, but we're done. All right, it's it's been painful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.